Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church Podcast for Sunday, October 30th, 2022. Today's sermon will be from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. How fitting these songs are this morning. May Christ be our all. May Christ be my all. Because I have literally nothing to bring to you this morning. This morning, as always, I stand before you guys to preach from the Word of God. It is an honor. It is a humbling time. And it's even more humbling that I've had a chance this week devoted to sermon preparation to read, to study, to prepare, and to examine my own heart before I stand before you guys to ask you to to do the same. And God is merciful in even this examination. As I know that those I've asked uh, and talked with uh, this week, you can attest to this, that God is merciful when we examine our hearts, examine our lives in light of the scriptures. This morning, we're going to be looking specifically at Ephesians 5, uh, verses 15 to 27. However, this passage is going to take us back. It's going to take us throughout the entire book of Ephesians. We're going to go back to chapter 1. We're going to hit on chapter 2, chapter 3, a little bit in 4. And honestly, I could stand here and read the entire book of Ephesians. And that would be sufficient for today. To show us to, that our hearts need to be examined. To show us that, that God is in control. To show us that we are nothing, but that Christ is everything. So if you would, uh, please stand with me in honor of reading God's word. Be reading Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 21. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of your Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you. Thank you that we can come together as your people. We can gather together under the banner of Christ to sing praises to you, to pray to you, to confess sins to one another, to encourage one another, to hear your word preached. And Lord, that we can grow together, that we can be changed, that we can leave here united together for your gospel's sake, that your gospel may go forth to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our communities, to our nation, 
into the nations around the world. Lord, work here this morning. Convict our hearts of sin. Lord, cause us to look to Christ for strength, for endurance, for hope. Cause us to forgive one another. Cause us to love one another. Cause us to serve one another well this day. Lord, we put this morning and this service, this sermon, into your hands. In your precious name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Last night, you all had the privilege of hearing the two best speaking elders here at Grace. Speak about one of the greatest preachers in American history. So we had two of the greatest pastors speaking on the greatest pastor in American history. Jonathan Edwards. And I know Jimmy and Scott left you with a lot to think about. They left you a lot to consider. Because if we're going to examine Jonathan Edwards' life, you have to examine your heart. You have to examine your life. And I'm sure Jimmy told you a story about Jonathan Edwards and his pen. That he carried that pen everywhere. You did share this story last night, didn't you? Praise God. Because I was not there. I was sitting in the emergency room last night with Addie. So Jonathan Edwards carried that pen everywhere he went. He would not leave home without it. Does anybody remember why? He wanted to write everything down so he wouldn't be distracted. So he wouldn't lose his train of thought. John Piper, another great pastor that Jimmy ranks right up there with. Scott ranks right up there with. And I believe John ranks right up there with. Blaine as well. Garrett as well. This guy, not so much. But John Piper was so influenced by Jonathan Edwards' life that he said, you know what? I can do this. I can think and meditate on the walk to church. Eight-minute walk, walk to church. I'm going to pray intentionally for this family. Eight minutes. Eight minutes, not that hard. He begins walking. He begins praying. He hasn't even left his yard yet. Squirrel runs out. He gets distracted. He thinks, oh, look, squirrel. Right, Jimmy? He, he's distracted. John Piper, arguably one of the best pastors modern day, could not even pray for 30 seconds without being distracted. He's one of my heroes. If my heroes are distracted, how often am I distracted? How often are we distracted in our everyday walk. How often are we distracted in walking in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which we have been called? We live in a fast-paced society, a fast-paced culture. It's vying for our attention, our focus. And we often live distracted. 
we often live distracted from where our true focus is supposed to, to rest. And I intentionally use the word rest because we rest in Christ. We walk through a mental minefield of ideas that if, if we're not careful will lead us to despair, will lead us to shame, and can lead us to the wrath of God, which Jonathan Edwards spoke of greatly in his sermon, in the hands, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. The same is true for the first century church here in Ephesus. Paul is addressing a distracted people. A distracted people who need reminding that they are to walk in a manner that is worthy. This morning, as we look at Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus, we're going to take notice of how we are to walk as Christians. And I really only have one overarching theme here this morning, one overarching truth, and that is we are to look carefully at, at how we walk. And that we are to seek to walk in that careful look, in such a manner that glorifies God. That is for our good. And that takes the gospel to the nations. So I'm going to ask you, how then do we walk? How then do we walk? How do we live our lives? Paul calls for us to walk carefully. Notice he says, carefully, not carefree. We are not called to walk through this world unrestrained and without responsibility. We have responsibilities. We have parameters in which we are to walk. And we often recognize in our modern secular culture, uh, the term for this is adulting. Right, Jeremiah? You've, you're adulting. You're, you're living life as an adult now. You're married. You have a spouse to care for. It's no longer Jeremiah first. It's Jeremiah and Ellie. Actually, it's Ellie first, and Jeremiah is not even on the radar. But that's adulting. That's living responsibly. So how, how do we live responsibly? responsibly? We do not live as we did when we were children, having no fiscal responsibilities, no dependence, no jobs. Paul brings this, this out even more for Christians. We are to carefully consider how we walk. And this examination is, is viewed in light of the content of the previous chapters. So our walk is different from that of the Gentiles. Uh, flip over to Ephesians four seventeen. Paul says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. It's different. Their walk is in the futility of their minds. Our walk is vastly different from those outside of Christ. We no longer walk as they do. We no longer do the things that they do because we are to be careful to consider how we walk. Not walking carefree, neglecting the things about 
our walk. So what makes our walk different? Paul begins in the book of Ephesians with a reason that we walk differently. Flip over to Ephesians 1. I'm going to read, read a long passage here. And, you, and you're going to probably ask why in the world I, I chose to turn here. But if you look at every chapter throughout Ephesians, it begins with, therefore, for this reason. Something describing what comes before. And so, Paul in Ephesians 1, verses 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven, things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Before the foundation of the world was laid, we were chosen to walk differently. Not only were we chosen to walk differently, God established his plan so that we can walk differently. He blesses us in Christ. He chose us in Christ that we can and should be holy and blameless. We're no longer strangers before a wrathful God, though we deserve that wrath. I deserve that wrath. But Christ, in his gracious mercy, appeased it. We are sons. We are daughters adopted through the blood of Christ, standing before a gracious Father. That being our current position, we stand to gain the blessings of God's wisdom set forth in Christ to bring all things together for his glory. And part of that, bringing all things together for his glory, is that we walk not as the unwise, but as wise. Let's consider the difference between wise and unwise. We're going to begin with, with unwise mainly because Scripture mentions unwise first. The unwise walk in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding. They're alienated, separated from God because of ignorance. Their hearts are hardened. They're calloused, given to sensuality, greed, practice 
impurity. These are those whose manner of life is corrupt through the deceitful desires of man. The unwise are angry and sin. They speak lies, they steal, they speak freely, they speak foolishly, they speak filthily. They speak crudely, allowing their tongues to rule them rather than bridle their tongues. They participate in activities of the sons of disobedience. Lovers of the dark, sexually immoral. They are unbridled, unrestrained, drunk, not sober-minded. These are the ones who embrace the ways of the world. They give no thought to God. Though it is truly by, his, by God's common grace that their lives are allowed to continue. I really didn't need to read this list off to you. We know how the unwise live. The wise are not so, though. The wise, as Ephesians 5 shows us, are making the best use of the time. Recognizing that the days are evil. Because I don't have a good example of wisdom other than Christ. And I'm a pitiful example of wisdom. I'm still going to use myself as an example here. Friday night, burned a small brush pile. This brush pile has been sitting there since uh, before we went to the beach. When the, uh, Hurricane Ian blew through, blew down all them limbs. Those limbs were still in my fire pit, and I, I'm just frankly tired of looking at it. But I knew that as soon as I lit that brush pile, the wind's going to pick up, and it did. But I just, I had to, had to light that fire. I just had to light that brush pile. One, I wanted it gone. And two, I had a big cardboard box sitting on our front porch that wouldn't fit in the garbage can. And so it seemed like a good, good, good way to get rid of it. So I proceeded to light it. It would have been unwise to light it and leave it. For me to light it, go back in the house, and hope for the best. Knowing the danger that I sparked, literally sparked, I made preparation to wisely burn this pile of limbs. I pulled out the hose pipe. I soaked the grass down around the fire pit. I had my pitchfork ready, my shovel ready, throw limbs back in, pushed the fire in, that way it didn't come out. I recognized the danger, and I made the best use of my time knowing what was at stake. I'm telling you, I'm not an example of wisdom here. Because had I only done this the rest of my day with my spiritual life, I might have actually accomplished something worthy of the imitation. However, I got distracted, as I'm sure many of you do. Many of you did this week. Many of you did just this morning. And in thinking about distraction, I reached out to several of you Friday. Thank you for your responses. 
And I ask the question, what distracts you from walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called? And I want to ask this question this morning. Those, those I asked Friday, they got a head start on the self-examination. And, and I hope you have all resolved to guard against distractions. I've been resolving to guard against distractions, and the distractions keep coming. <laughs> and and I, I think that's a part of it, when we resolve to guard against distractions like that. They're, they're going to come. So this morning, I ask you, what distracts you? What takes your focus during the everyday life, the everyday walk that we walk upon? The answers I received were these. Scott said, no, <laughs> I told Scott I was going to call him out. Media, news, entertainment, temporary worldly concerns, fear of man, busyness, overcommitment, self-solutions in trials, selfishness, apathy, pride, self-focus, personal fulfillment, our own failures, sin in our lives. I, I asked these for these answers. I received great blessing from your answers, folks. I was also able to ask myself the same question. To examine my own heart. But God, in his infinite wisdom, decided to show me my answers instead of just let me figure it out. So by way of confession, folks, I'm easily distracted. I'm easily distracted when things don't go according to my plans. I'm easily distracted by pain. As my swelled up finger this morning attests to. I'm easily distracted when I don't receive what I feel like I ought to receive. I know that the days, the days are evil, yet I am distracted in my walk. And I know I'm not alone in this room here today. But I learned by lighting that fire Friday night that, that the world does not revolve around me. The world in its ways, they, they, they easily distract. They easily distract, but they must be guarded against. Ephesians 5, 17, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of God? Well, Paul writes to the Thessalonians, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. But Paul does not end there. What does sanctification look like in our lives? What does it look like for us to be molded and fashioned in the image of Christ? Through God's means of sanctification. Paul continues in 1 Thessalonians 4, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Walking requires control. 
God decided to show that to me last night in the emergency room with Addie. Walking requires control. We cannot physically walk rightly when we have physical pain. Right? How often do we limp after we stumped our toe? How often are we distracted when we stump our toe? The pain sends impulses to the brain, distracts the brain from normal function. In a similar fashion, we do not walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called if we are distracted. Our lives should be marked by trying to find out what is pleasing to God in any situation, all situations, good situations. I mean, we certainly pray for wisdom in good situations. We pray for God's will in good situations. We pray for peace and, and butterflies to be eased whenever we're, we're, we're considering things of the future. But what about when we're distracted? Whenever things aren't going well, whenever we're hurting, whenever we're despaired, whenever we're depressed. We cannot do this when we give up control to our minds, a distracted mind. Paul continues in verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with with the Spirit. Paul uses drunkenness for the purpose of illustrating lack of control here. Giving of the mind to carefree thoughts rather than careful thoughts. John Frame, great theologian, all, all the pastors and theologians I'm referencing today, I'm just realizing, are all John. John Frame offers a solution for this. Those who fill their hearts with Scripture and prayer open themselves to a greater fullness of the Spirit. I'm going to read that again just so we get it. Those who fill their hearts with Scripture and prayer open themselves to a greater fullness of the Spirit. Rather than fueling distraction with with more distraction, we as Christians are called to be filled, not filled as the world feels, rather we are to be filled with the Spirit. This filling, that's a part of our sanctification. God is working in us, molding us. When we are filled with the Spirit, this is a wonderful result that comes. It's so wonderful that it flows out of us as individuals and joins here in the corporate. That's where Paul continues. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. What a wonderful thing it is for us to gather together to sing. I'm so thankful that we have gifted talented people who can get up here, who can sing, who can play instruments, who can lead us in worship. But not only, they're they're not just leading us in worship, they're singing to us, encouraging us. These songs, 
And you know what? We're doing it to you. We're singing to you, encouraging you, pushing you along, strengthening, emboldening. Giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we come together corporately, not because there's a cultural mandate, not because we live in the Bible Belt. We gather together, not necessarily because our theology aligns, though it does help. We gather together because we have a common salvation. We have a common filling of the Spirit. And the result of that is that we sing to one another, encouraging one another, striving with one another, seeking the good of one another. And we sing to the Lord, giving thanks for everything. So this brings us to, to careful, as we think about our careful thinking, that we give thanks to God in all of these things. Because, as we just saying, we are nothing, but Christ is our all. Christ is our everything. God equips us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which we've been called. We cannot do this in our own strength. We must rely on Christ. We must rely on his mercies to guard us from distractions. Recognizing that we have been saved by grace through faith. That it's a gift of God. Paul writes uh, in Ephesians 2.10, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand. God doesn't just prepare them beforehand, but he says that we should walk in them. We walk in them. We know these good works by his word, and we walk in them. So God is sanctifying us for a purpose, and that purpose is that we are called to carefully consider how we walk. I I know this has been a a more difficult sermon. Believe me, I've lived it this week. This has been, been a very difficult sermon. And, and there may, it may seem that there's more do this, don't do that, more, more live morally. But that, that's, that's, though I do want you to live morally. Don't, don't, don't leave here not leaving morally. But that, that's, that's not the goal here. Our goal is that we will see Christ more beautiful. That we will rely on Christ for our strength, that we will see him as more beautiful today in recognizing that we live in a fallen world, that sin reigns, that it, that it vies for our attention, that the world is evil. We don't have to turn the news on to realize that. We know the world is evil, and it offers many things to distract us. Many good things, many bad things. And these things distract us from living and walking rightly before God. So as I close, I'm going to offer a few uh, applications. 
that I hope will be helpful as we guard against distractions, as we purpose to walk in a way that pleases God. And, and really, these applications come from John Frame's quote that I read. So the first one being, be in the Word. God gave us His Word for a reason. And I can tell you that God did not give us His Word so that it can sit on a shelf and we can see how much dust can settle on the cover of it in our homes. We're not winning any Guinness uh, World Book uh, records here. We're not, we're, not, we're not winning anything by letting dust settle on the cover. God's Word is only beneficial to us in guarding against distractions if we open it, if we read it, if we dwell in it. Granted, we, we might get some things right with it closed. We might. But I guarantee you that we will get more things wrong than right if we leave our Bibles closed because we are prone to stray. We are prone to forget. We are prone to be distracted. Pray without ceasing. If we expect to live lives that are undistracted, we must be purposed to pray. We're going to be distracted. We're going to be distracted. Just in case y'all didn't hear me, we're going to be distracted. Car is going to drive by. Kids going to cry. Phone's going to ring. Notifications from emails, Facebook, Twitter, whatever social media app you kids have today. We're going to be distracted. But do, but do we stop? Do we stop praying? No. No. We continue because God does not cease to listen. We pray, and like Edwards, we keep track of our thoughts. We keep track of our prayers. Jot things down. Pull that pen out. Keep it with you. Think. Meditate on these things. Thirdly, we gather with the church. We come here corporately. We love the body. We long to be together. I missed you folks last Sunday. We truly missed being here. And we are encouraged by gathering. We are kept accountable by gathering. We are on guard together as we examine our walks together. This is something we do corporately. It's not just a hidden battle that, that, that we run off in our corner and fight it alone. We come together. We, God has equipped us with the church to come together. And lastly, we must remember that our existence is not defined by this world. It is defined by the light. Our former existence before Christ is defined by darkness. We dwell in the dark. Our passions are defined by the dark. Our thoughts are determined by the dark. In Christ, our existence is defined by light. These two cannot occupy the same space. Light and darkness cannot dwell together.
The gospel awakens people to the reality of their sinful condition. That in Christ shines on them. Christ moves them. Christ softens their hardened hearts. And they become light in the Lord. See, folks, we're, we're people of the light. And if you do not know this Christ that we have hope in today, I invite you to know Christ today. The way of the world, it offers no hope. Our distractions offer no hope. The distractions of the world are only distractions to the realness of sin that dwells. The realness of sin and the consequences of life without Christ. And without Christ, we're eternally separated from God. This is, this is a difficult matter. And the reality that a walk that is not defined by Christ has no hope. It faces the full front of God's wrath. But his mercy is great. And that wrath has been atoned for by Christ. Praise God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you. Thank you that, that we can come together, we can open your word, that we can sing praises to you. Lord, let this word grow in us. Lord, may we seek to guard our hearts. May we be changed. May we desire to love you more and more. Lord, thank you for using this passage to work on my own heart, to take notice of my own distractions and to guard against them. Lord, continue to give us strength, continue to give us boldness, continue to encourage us as we go forth. Lord, may we be a light to those around us. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.